Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. This is Don't Miss This. We're so happy you are here. I was about to say glad and happy at the same time. <laughs> well, we're glappy. Are both. Um, today we are looking at Luke 12 through 17 and John 11, but we're not going to make it to John 11, I don't think. Um, and maybe not even Luke 17. Because, <laughs> and, but we did John 11 when we did Easter week, when we did Lazarus yes. in that lesson. So if you want to go back and look at the Easter week introduction, we did talk a little bit about John 11 in, um, in that one. And Come Follow Me, Manuel covers uh, Luke 17 with the, um, I can't remember him, the leper. Oh, the, yes. the 10 lepers. That story is in Luke 17, but the Come Follow Me manual covers that. If that one seems like a better fit for your family, FYI. So we that. picked two of our very most favorite parables ever. This is our favorite one of the whole year. It really is. I want to say. Is, this is going to be such a good one. You can't wait. Also, get your scriptures out and just plan to write all over them. I wish you could see. Let me just show you how much we love this parable. Look, just plan on writing all that much stuff. That's what you about want to do this week because yeah. there are so many good things. Remember, this one's ripped out of my other scriptures. We're going to give you as much so as much. we can. That is what we're about to do. But before we get to the prodigal son, which we love so much, we have to tell you the other story that we love that's in Luke 14. So that's where you want to start in verse 16. It tells us a certain man made a great supper and bade many. And let's just start by thinking about that. You know how much work it is to put together a party. Um, this, this home has put together this great big feast. They've invited everyone. They invited them weeks before so they would know to come. And then once the supper is all prepared, the man sends out his servant and says, go tell everybody to come. It's ready. And There are parties in all these stories. I know. Why? And rejoicing. Right. Everybody... Position yourself for a party. That, that is what's is happening. How you're... Should they be watching this while they're eating their best <laughs> Sunday dinner they've yes. ever had? Okay. Um, also, let me just mention this. You know when you have gotten your whole house ready for the party and the food's all ready and the places are all set, and if you're the mom, you run in and just change your clothes really quick and come back out to the party, and no one has knocked on the door yet or come in the house, and you just look over the whole thing and you think, oh, this is going to be a good night. Mm. That is what I imagine is happening. The man stands there. I love there. that you imagine that because I imagine coming to the table. Oh, okay. And that is the difference between <laughs> a man and a woman. Yeah, because I'm like, <laughs> I've never ever done that. Okay, well, I've, well, I've walked in before and thought, wow. Everyone who has gotten it ready, you know what it feels like. You're just waiting now for everyone to come. And so he goes out. He says, you go get him and tell him, come, because now everything is ready. So he goes out, and he goes to the first person, and everyone makes an excuse. The first guy bought a piece of ground. He can't come. The other guy bought five yoke of oxen. He can't come. The other guy just got married. He has to stay with his wife. He can't come. Lots of people want to talk about why the oxen, why the land, why the wife. Um, in my scriptures, I just wrote this. It is the business of everyday life. That's what happened. That's yeah. what got in the way. It was just... The business of everyday life. It wasn't like one of those things was really 
an emergency. No one was in the emergency room. Nobody's car broke down, right? Everyone was just doing the business of their everyday life, and they're yeah, like, you or know, or something what? bad. There wasn't anything bad. It yeah. just was. Yeah, I just we can't. have soccer games. I have other things I need to be doing instead of this. Right. So he comes back, and again, I'm gonna imagine that man, and he's just standing at the head of the table, and he's so excited for all of his people to come, and just enjoy that evening. And what does he think when the servant says, um, "No one's coming. No one's coming to the party. No one's." going to eat the food. No one's going to sit at this table that you decorated. Nobody's coming. And I love what happens um, when he tells him that the the master of the house were a little sad because he's a little bit angry in his heart. <laughs> that just what happens, right, when he finds out. And then he says... Well, probably because the invitations went out a long time ago. It's not like anybody could, you know... Didn't know. Didn't know. It wasn't like that yeah. day. Like, hey, you guys, we're having a Cinco de Mayo party. Does anyone want to come over? But it <laughs> yeah, was just it was this, an invited to this planned So then I love that just quickly he just shifts and he's like, listen, go back out. Go out quickly. And I love this word bring. You're going to want to mark that in verse 21. And bring in, and then he gives him a list. I want you to get the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind and I just want you to think for a minute, who are these people and where did he find them? Where mm -hmm. did they come from? And I want you to think to yourself, how did they get in the house? Because I can't help but wonder, did he carry the lame man in to the table and set him down? And then he leaves and he goes and gets the blind man. And does he lead the blind man in and he sits him down? And then he goes and he gets the halt and the maimed. And he's just one by one, he is bringing in all these people. And when he gets everybody there... He says to the master, Lord, it is done as you have commanded, and yet there is still room. I love that. That's one of my favorite oh, spots. I love it so much. There's, there is still room. More people could come. And I also love that um, this one, these people that he goes and gets, he says, go out quickly and get them, which means they quickly come also. That you've got a people that they did find out about it last minute. And, and there's something about that um, that I'm trying to work through in my mind right now, that they are just like... Um, so willing. And, and they want it. Yeah, and, and they and want And that's it. why they're going to be um, welcomed into that feast, yep, right? they're hungry. They right. are hungry for what he has to offer. And right. they come. And then he says, okay, now I want you to go out, and this is going to be a different place. You go to the highways and the hedges. It's probably important to talk about what would the highways and hedges have been? at that time period. And the highways would not have been in the city. In the city. It, they would have been on the outskirts. These are the people living in the margins, right? It's the people who are the outcasts and on the outside. And I love what he says to them. Remember the first group he said, bring them in. This next group he says, compel them to come. Mm -hmm. Almost as if it's gonna be people, you're gonna have to talk them into it. They're gonna say, no, no, I can't go there. I can't, I can't come in I'm that place. I'm not there. welcome That's there. That's not me. Um, and you are going to have to persuade them to come into my house. Come in that this whole house will be filled. And I love that line. Oh, it's so good. And I love it for I two reasons. I want to fill my house. Yep, I want to fill my house. I want to look around the table and see who's missing. Right? That's what Jesus does. He looks around and he's like, who isn't here? Okay, go get them. There's and still you room. go get them, and there's still room. Um, I also love that his intention was to fill them, mm. right? They were going to come hungry, and his intention was to fill them. But 
Here is my favorite part of this story of all the parts. One time we were studying this story together, we were reading through it. Generally, we will read through um, scripture over and over and just see, did you notice this? Did you notice this? And um, David said to me, what were they serving at the feast? And I was like, well, I don't think it tells us. And in my mind, remember, I've created the whole feast in my mind. If, I, if they said what they were serving, my imagination would have seen it on the table. So I'm like, no, it's not on there. And, and he says to me, yes, it is. Look harder. What were they hungry for? And so I started reading through again to see what I had missed. And then he just says so quietly, healing. They were hungry for healing. That is what these people needed. They needed to be healed and loved and forgiven and offered grace. And it's everything that is a fruit of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. it's, it's what he would serve at his table. And what I love about this is that he says, come as you are. Come to the table. There's room for you here. There's room for everyone here. Everyone is welcome here. That's what he wants us to know. And it's just such a beautiful parable about finding, about welcoming in, about arms wide open. Um, I love this thought about loving outside of the lines, yeah. right? Just this um, radical generosity is what right. we have called it before. It is just this parable of radical generosity and what if we were to live our life like that um and what if we were to create a culture in a place where people felt like that's what they could expect when they came into our homes when they come into our friendship circles when they come into our churches that in this place you'll find acceptance and in this place you will find healing and every one of you is invited and and we'll look and if you're not there, we will we will say there's still room, or in other words, there's somebody missing. Mm -hmm. and, and go out and find them and compel them to come. Some people you have to convince that you are good enough to be here. Mm -hmm. And and really not just reading this as a nice parable that has makes you feel good at the end, but to really be thinking in your mind right now, who who do you need to invite? Who's the person you need to go out? and bring in who's hungry right now and how, how can we bring them to right. the table? And so that's how we start. Um, 14 prepares us for what we're about to do as we get in into 15. 15. But let me say one more thing about 14 is I thought this a couple weeks ago in, in sacrament meeting and I looked up at the sacrament table and I thought to myself, is that the feast table that we get to look at every Sunday? And on it are symbols of all of His grace. Right, that we come to that table each week, invited to that table to feast on the gifts of His grace, to feast on healing. I, 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 is the sacrament a symbol mm -hmm. of all the fruits of the Savior's atonement? Yes. All of them, you know? Yep, just, and we're all invited. Right, to come and just... To come and, and feast and be filled. That's what you want to remember, and be filled. Yeah, and some people you will have to bring, and some people we will have to compel convince that they are wanted, they are needed, that mm -hmm. there is a chair empty if they're not there and we will notice and he will notice if it's not filled. Yeah, it's so good. Okay, 15, Luke 15 um, begins with, um, with a table. Again, like a, a feast, a sitting down. And what you should know about um, 
eating in Jesus's time, it was called the table of fellowship. Um, who you ate with, who you sat with is somebody that you accepted. And that's why it, the writers always tell us he's eating and they always tell us who he's eating with. I love in um, this other, another translation of the Bible called the message, Luke 15, the beginning starts like this. By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus. And isn't it just indicative of who he is? Um, who he hangs out with shows us what kind of person that he is. Who's drawn to him? Isn't mm-hmm. it interesting? It's the people, people of doubtful reputation that are drawn to him. Why are the religious people not drawn to him? Yes. And these and the sinners the and the sick need, ones. Right? right. It's the people who want. That's who Right. We're actually going to see that in the first parable, but the rest is is best. The rest is best. Now it's (laughs) Dr. Seuss. (laughs) Okay. And it says, the Pharisees and religion scholars were not pleased, not pleased at all. It really is (laughs) Dr. Seuss. (laughs) They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Don't you love yeah, that? Yeah, I love it like, so much. I will not just accept you. I will treat you like you are my long time day one friend. Yeah, you know? so good. Um, As we get into these parables, maybe we should talk about what's similar, what they want to be looking for in each one. Oh, yeah, and it's on here too um, to so, look for. Yeah, um, so as you go through... Um, you're going to want Well, let's say this first, real yes. quick. Remember, when you start parables, you always want to look for the question or the situation that brings about the parable. So the question, the situation that brings about the telling of these parables is people complaining that Jesus accepted sinners. That is why he's going to... That's the response to everyone growling that he treats sinners um, like old friends. Okay, sorry. So some things that you want to be watching for is... Um, what gets lost, right? That's going to be important. Um, how it gets lost. Um, one's from neglect. One wanders off. Um, one chooses. So it's interesting to watch that. I love as you look in each of these parables, you want to be watching for the word one. It's one sheep. It's one piece of silver that is happening. And then I love this too. Just because it was lost, it didn't decrease in value. Um, that coin still was a coin, and the sheep was still worth the price of a sheep, even though it was lost. And I think sometimes we feel like if we're the lost one, or if someone's lost, somehow their value has decreased yeah. in some way. And and we're going to watch Jesus teach us that is not true, right? These poor people who he invited, the people in the hedges and the highways, everybody was as valuable all the way through this story and and we see it clearly in all three of these parables and then you want to watch for the rejoicing oh yeah at the end listen there is a party at the end of every single one of these i almost want to begin christmas morning with the angels even the angels throw a party on christmas morning be positioned to party if your heart does not want to rejoice and throw a party when you hear the gospel then i don't think you're hearing the gospel (laughs) you know it is supposed to lead you to so a true. celebration. Like in Doctrine and Covenants, I was just teaching just barely. And what is the gospel that we have received? And do you remember the one verse where he uses the word glad six times? Yeah, in an a row? exclamation a voice point. Of gladness, it's glad tidings. It's this. Uh, like over and over, I said to my seminary kids, listen, this gospel is about gladness, it is about rejoicing, it is a happy gospel. 
Right. Every time. So when you, you should be positioned to party when when you go to the scriptures, when you go to church, you're like, I'm going to hear something that's going to make me call the DJ, okay, and set up the dance floor. It should, every time. So one and two, we'll go through kind of quick, but you can look through those things on your own as as you look at them. A hundred sheep, a man has a hundred sheep in parable number one, um, and loses one of them. And it says, doesn't he leave the ninety and nine and go after that one, which really is bad business, you know? (laughs) Like, how much time is he going to spend... Um, how much money is he going to spend out in search for that one sheep? You kind of want to say, just let it go. 99% is a really, really good grade, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's probably more expensive to go look for that sheep. We'll see that with the coin also than it is to just leave it there. The lady loses one of 10 coins in parable number two, and she will spend more time and more money looking for it mm-hmm. than it's probably worth. You know, yep. which leads us to think um, there is something that should shock you about the love of God in these two parables. It is illogical. It is not logical to go out looking for one sheep when you have a hundred. And it's illogical to look for one coin and mm-hmm. spend more than one coin, right? And the coin of the sheep might think, like you said, I'm not worth finding. But the coin and the sheep do not get to determine their value. The owner of them gets to determine their value. And in these two parables, he says, no, you are worth looking for. You are worth turning over all the cushions and all the tables and lighting a candle and searching the whole house or searching the woods. And you're worth creating a celebration for. When you're found. When you are found. Because the woman, they're going to spend more money on On the party. It's illogical. Yes, they The are. love of God is illogical in every single one yeah. of these. We should be amazed by His grace, and we should feel like that news is too good to be true. Right? That mm-hmm. is what they all leave mm-hmm. us thinking. I also love in, in the 90 and 9 one when he says um, in verse 7, after the party, he says, uh, I say unto you, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that, repent, that repenteth, more than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. I think he's being sarcastic there. There are no people who, who don't, don't need, need repentance. Right? And so yeah. he's talking to a group of people. Remember, like, how come he sits with sinners and accepts sinners? Right? Maybe implying to them, I think you think you're the 90 and 9. And there actually is no such thing as the 90 and 9. Well, especially when you look at Jesus' ministry. Everyone is one right. in his eyes. That needs finding, yep. that needs mm-hmm. looking for. We're all the one. All Every all single one of us is the one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you go through those and you just, you, you love them when you look through them. Okay, in verse 11 starts a parable that Jesus doesn't give a name to it. We've given it a name somewhere in the history of Christianity. We've named it the prodigal son, which I think is um, not a good name actually, for this one, for two reasons. One, uh, in verse 11, he said, and a certain man had two sons. So right from the very beginning, Jesus intends for us to look at a story about two lost boys, two of them. So if you want to call it the prodigal, uh, I mean, the parable of the prodigal sons, Which is plural, what Elder Holland does. Right. right? Oh, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's name right. he gives it. So two he, lost boys. Yep, two lost boys. Or we really love the name, the parable of the prodigal God, or the prodigal father. Um, prodigal means extravagant 
over the top, right? So if you are making um, ice cream sundaes with little kids, they are prodigal with the sprinkles, okay? That's what the word means. It means way, way over the top on what you're doing. So what we want to watch for in this reading of the parable of the prodigal father or the prodigal God is how he's so over the top. And we in just, goodness, yeah, in love, in just what he's willing. We're going to go through here and we're going to keep pointing out where do we see the Father's goodness in the parable and, and how does that reflect in our life right. as we go through. And we should just apologize at the get-go. We are going to give you so much information, probably more than you've ever wanted to know about the prodigal, <laughs> son, father, or everyone. Um, you just take the parts you love. That's all you have to do. In right the now. study guide sheet, we just left an empty box because we couldn't help it. You just had to. And you might need the other side of it also. <laughs> or notes in your scriptures. Yes. So let's just start reading and looking. A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. Now, right off the bat, anybody hearing this parable would have gasped when they heard that line. For a son to ask their father in those times for his inheritance right then is implying that that son wished his father was dead. That's essentially what he said to him. I wish you were dead and I want my portion of my inheritance right now. That should have been responded with a backhand or a kick to the butt, you know, <laughs> is really what should have happened right then. Um, but that it says, and he divided unto them his living. Interesting, he doesn't say his... Um, his wealth or his his bank account, but his living. He actually, the father will take a hit in order to sell off. He's still using the land. He's still mm -hmm. working the livestock. And he's going to sell it off to give it to his son. And then he would have been the talk of the town. He would have been a disgrace that he sold off his living to give to this son a, a portion of it early. It, it was so disrespectful what he asked for. Not many days after, this is verse 13, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, far away from the father, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And you'll find out later with prostitutes and parties, and, and he wastes every bit of it, and it doesn't take many days for it to happen. And when he had spent all, when he was at rock bottom and empty, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And that is such an important principle because this is where the story is gonna start to shift. Is remember, we've said this before, in our journey toward the Lord, all we need is need to begin. And that's what's going to spark something initially in this boy is, I have nothing and I'm in want. It's so interesting what happens next in this story, too, because I think all of us have, have known what it is to want and to need. And we've watched this happen in people. Maybe we've experienced it ourselves. We've watched it happen in the lives of other people that sometimes when we have that hole that something is missing, we try and align ourselves with, with someone or something else that we think will fill that ache or that hole or that hurt inside. And that's exactly what this boy does. He Instead of going back to his dad, he says... I joined myself. He joined himself to a citizen of that country. I'm going to go find it over here. And he got sent into the fields to feed swine, remember pigs. And to remember to a Jewish audience, that was like, oh, this they were unclean. So this boy is really hit. Can you imagine the people who are the, the, listening to this story? It's First shock of all, after shock after shock. The father gives away his 
everything. Now the boy is going to go work with pigs. Like, they have got to be riveted. They're like, what is going to happen next? And he wasted it with prostitutes. And so you're kind of like, everyone's like, oh, this is PG-13. As we're listening to it. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. He looked at all the different places. Kind of like the woman of the well maybe did when she looked for what she was Mm -hmm. looking for at different places and and couldn't find it. And couldn't be filled the way he was looking for. And then this great line, this turning point in 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. Yeah, I love that part. That What is it that's going to take him home is the memory of his father's goodness. That is what is going to call him back there. And I love the lesson that we learn in that about the father. That what's going to call us back to him every time is the father's goodness. That's what calls to us. Right. Is that the father has plenty and to spare even for the servants. Mm-hmm. Right? And, 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 and it's that, that love of the father. Like That's been established years before. Right? That he knows I have a place to go back to. I have a place where I, I could be welcomed. And then he makes a plan, starting in verse 18. I love 18. that he makes this plan. It's so in detail. Yeah. Like he knows exactly how it's going to go in his mind. This is how it's going to work. How many nights did he lay awake thinking, this is, yeah. this is my plan? Okay, here it is. Number one, I will arise. Number two, I will go to my father. This is verse 18. Three, I will say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee. Four, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. And five, make me one of thy hired servants. Please hire me to work on your land. You okay? love what's about to happen right that now, everyone. His. You don't even know how good it's about to get. That's his five. Those five things. And at the end of the five things, in his mind, then the dad will answer and say, either you can come back or you are dead to me. Right. Right. One of those. So he's going to do the five things and then he's going to find out what is his dad going to do. Okay. And then I'm just going to read all the way through and we're going to, well, I might, well, we don't you know what's going to happen. You have not, to pause. We don't know what's going to happen. Okay. So five things. So then look at him, do the actual plan. So he arose, number one, and he came to his father. And when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And I just want you to think for a second, how did that dad know that that boy was coming? Um, He was far off and they do not have an alarm system. But he knew, which means to me, which tells me that that father has been looking for that boy ever since he's been gone. And he's been sitting at that window waiting for him to come. Night after night, Imagine his, his wife like, hey, do you want to come for dinner? And he says, no, I'll just take mine right here in my lap. I'll eat it right here by the window. Or on a, she says, hey, why don't you come by the fire tonight? It's, it's kind of chilly. And he's like, I'll just take an extra blanket. I'm sitting here and I'm watching for my boy. And that father had been watching for him. And right when he saw him, He ran out of the house, knocked over the table on the way out, and had compassion. And you should know this back then, the town is going to talk again because he's running. And in those times, children ran and women ran, but never men and never estate owners. 
he drops all of his dignity and runs, picks up his robes and he runs down that road and does it and falls on him and on his neck that is that is a um that is an image of just a he collapses into him and he kisses him and the son says Wait, before he's you only say on, that yeah yeah because he's only on one and two right he hasn't even apologized yet you you got to think that all of that happened before an apology was even made and how many of us have that kind of a heart? How many of us would have stood back and waited to see what is he going to say? What is he going to do? You know, but that dad was like, no, I'm just going to just love on you right now before you even say a word. Right. right. Step one and step two are done. He, he, the kisses come before that boy ever opens his mouth. Right. And he hugs him and falls on him while he still stinks like pig. Mm. Um, and then he tries to keep going with his plan because he doesn't feel worthy to be a son. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight. Number four, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. And then the father interrupts him. Yeah, before he can even get to five. Yeah, he's he like, stops him I again. don't even want to hear about your plan to work your way into this family. And his father says, bring the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And who do you think owned? Whose robe and shoes and ring do you think those were? That boy came home expecting to be a servant and was received as a son and an heir. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they struck up the music. <laughs> And, and they started to dance, and they began to be merry. I hope your whole paper is filled with the goodness of the Father already in, in seeing everything that is in there. This is a one, one of the times in the New Testament where I think Jesus really shows us what the Father is like and what mm -hmm. you can expect from him. Telling you him, love... you won't earn your way into this. Isn't it neat that it's a robe? and it's a um, shoes, and it's a ring, that these are all symbols of royalty. No, mm -hmm. you're not coming back as a servant. You're not even coming back as a son. You're coming back as an heir to the kingdom, right, is what you are coming back to. And you love that there is not going to be this long, drawn-out, here is the repercussion for everything that you have done. Um, that let us eat and be merry. And what's past is forgotten. It's not brought up. Your heart is changed, and we are going to move forward and there are going to be good things to come and I love the thought of that the other thing that is so good too is you love in 23 when he says and bring hither the fatted calf and it's Which, a calf that has been prepared right the father has been preparing for this moment probably the whole time the son's been gone there is a calf that has been set aside and fatted and prepared and if you if you know about sacrifice in the bible that fat was an important part of the sacrifice of what the father was offering was this sacrifice that he had prepared um, for his son when he came back home. Yeah. And, and, and culturally that fatted calf would have been um, the father's most prized possession. Um, the favorite daughter wouldn't have even got it at a wedding reception. You know, this was supposed to be 
you know. So it's interesting that the son says, I want to earn my way into this family. And the father says, no, I will sacrifice my most prized possession to bring you back into the family as a son and as an heir is what the message there is. And there's the so much symbolism there. Um, and you want to be watching for that now because this fatted calf is going to become the most important part of this story. And we're going to watch that happen with the elder brother. So the older brother's out in the field and he hears the party going on inside and comes um, in and just says, calls a servant out and said, um, hey, what is going on? Verse 26 and 27 says, your brother came home and your father killed the fatted calf for him because he received him safe and sound. And it's important. You want to note um, when he comes in uh, verse 25, it tells you as he comes and he hears that music in the house, he won't go in the house. He stands just outside. He sends a servant in. The servant comes out and and he is not going in there. He's standing out there and he's not happy about what's happening in the house. And then in 28, you love, he's out there angry, arms folded and would not go in. Therefore came his father out of the party and entreated him, begged him and pleaded with him. He and doesn't come just, out scolding, like yeah. what is wrong with you? You know, like buck up, put a smile on your face and come in and put your dancing shoes on, you know? But he comes out and he wants to, you know, what's wrong? Yeah, and he wants to listen. And you love, you want to start watching for parables in, I mean, for parallels in these two stories, right? You had a son who was out and in the city with the pigs. And you have another son who was out in the field. And they both came back toward the house. But the father meets them both where they are. Right. Right. He goes to where they are. The son outside the house, the boy coming home on the path. And, and that is what we learn about the goodness of the father is he is going to come and meet us where we are right. in that moment. It's, it, and you have both of them who are distanced from the father for different reasons. One of them is distanced from the father with his riotous living. Mm -hmm. And the other one is distanced from the father because of his hard work. Right, that you almost are, the son says, "I've served you many years, and I don't ever disobey your commandments, and you have never even given me a kid, like or, or a baby goat that I make merry with my friends." And I almost like want to hear a narrator ask that older son the question: Is that why you were working with the father? Um, did you not really want him? You just wanted the inheritance. And the way you were getting there was through working and never disobeying, right? So neither of them have a close relationship with the father. And they're both for, for different reasons. And I wonder if those listening, remember they're grumbling that Jesus mm -hmm. is so good to the sinners. You know, and almost like you could hear the Pharisees say, we've obeyed every law. We've never strayed from the mm -hmm. path. You know, and it's yeah. like, what's in it for us? What's right. And it's like, mm -hmm. and it's, that's what you were after. Were you after the inheritance or did you want relationship with the father? You know, some, sometimes we might find ourselves saying, I want heaven. And what I need God to do is to get me there. I don't actually want him. I want heaven and he's my way to get there. That boy is just as distant and just as far away from the father as, as the boy was when he was in the pigsty. And he says, as soon as thy son was come, you devoured, who devoured his living with harlots, um, 
you killed the fatted calf for him. Right? And there that is again. It keeps mm -hmm. coming up. Right? Yep. And you love when he says to him there, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is that thine. All. Even the fatted calf. All along you had everything, including the fatted calf. But for some reason, that son didn't, didn't see the importance of all of those things that the father had laid out for him, that all of the goodness that had been prepared for him. He was so focused on the work um, that he had forgotten about just the grace and goodness of God. Right, that he's like, you're a son, and I killed the fatted calf for you, and I killed the fatted calf for the other boy. Right, almost like he says, if you killed it for him, then there's not enough left for me. You know, and, and I yet was there more is deserving. this huge feast again, right in the house, just waiting. And what does the father say? Come in. And it ends. And there's room for everyone. And it ends on a cliffhanger. It really does. It just is. <laughs> we over. don't know what happens. You never find out whether that second, that older brother, goes into the feast or not. Almost as if it ends with that question. For us. Yeah, to every For every one, one of us. us, what would you do? Would you go into the feast? Uh, would you partake of the fatted calf? Um, it's the same invitation here as where we started with the Great Supper, right? Right. Who's going to accept the invitation? Who's going to come in for the healing? Who wants to be filled? Um, there's, there's a place at the table for everybody. There's a place in the rejoicing for everybody. But we each get to choose for ourselves how much of the Father's goodness do we want. Yeah. And once we realize how good the Father is, I think we start to feel compelled. When we're in that place of want or need or sickness or I need healing, that's when we, I think that's when we turn and we, mm -hmm. you know, and we, we come go, to ourselves. right, we come to ourselves mm -hmm. and we go looking for it. And I just love that it's, once I think the boy goes in, I think he does. Yes. After the father comes out personally and invites him to come in, helps him see like this invitation is is to you also. Mm -hmm. I well that's how I want. That's how I want. Should we write verse thirty three yes. and just add it? And they all went in, yeah. and there was room at the table for everyone. Yeah. And still there was room. You can go too. Thank and you. <laughs> and all of you, everybody. Yeah. Okay, Who's do you hungry? love that one? I know me. And we love that. Oh, that yeah, parable. Is good. Like... This, this whole thing is so good. And there is more here than we could even give you. You just go through this over and over again. This is one that will grow your heart. That it prodigal... will enlarge your heart and expand your soul. Yeah. That's what's about to happen. Right. Okay, good to have yep. you all with us. Good week. See you next we'll week. see you again. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.